right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again, as always, with Kelly in the Blockhouse. How's it going, Kelly? It's so blocky. I did say Blockhouse. You did. I didn't say Bunker. No. That's right, because if you joined us last week, (laughs) we emerged from the bunker. Not only did we emerge from the bunker, but we emerged into summer. Kelly, check out those gray skies. We have a window. Summery. Summery. Yeah. It's about 60-something degrees. Rained yesterday. Summer is here, baby. Summer is <laughs> here. Kelly, we have taken no shortcuts over the last couple of months. We have been here as we always have been, and we have been listening to Bob Dylan constantly. How has your time, how has this last two months treated you? Just curious, because we've gone down the lazy river in the summer. We were here present for all of it. But I am curious. I never got to ask you, how was the last two months of your life? Uh, definitely here weekly doing this with you. Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly doing this with you. Uh, so you know. You know. You know that uh, I, I turned 30. I think oh, yeah, that's right. more than that in there. Uh, you're going to be 31 by yeah. the time this comes out. So. Oh, shit. Uh, we lived a lot of life. Got another dog. Yeah. You know? That uh, definitely didn't happen. Two months ago, that's right. I mean, that's true. Just now, that did just happen. It's true. We also got a new podcast studio, so we oh, yeah. are. That's more important. I guess. That's very more important. <laughs> so we left the bunker, and now we are in what we call a blockhouse. If you don't know what a blockhouse is, go get on your Googler, and Google blockhouse. You'll notice that we went. We have now emerged out of the bunker. We can now survey the surroundings. We can see everything. We're one. coming to you. Before we were coming to you not from a 12-story building but from an underground bunker <laughs> now we are coming to you from you know about four or five stories in the air but at least this time we are not subterranean nice time which takes us right into <laughs> this week if you didn't know and you're confused by blockhouses and bunkers this is a bob dylan podcast we sit down <laughs> every single week and we listen to bob dylan Front to back. We pick a random song, or in this case, we kind of curated the songs. And I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the minimum wind speed in miles per hour needed to issue a severe thunderstorm warning. And this Is week... 60? Are we at 60? Is we're at 58. 60? Very particular miles per hour yeah, that's so to get wow. a severe thunderstorm. But we're here today to talk about the iconic, the amazing, one of Bob Dylan's most classic songs... Subterranean homesick blues off bring it back. John is in a basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on a pavement thinking about the government. A man in a trench coat batch out laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Took out the kid, did something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway looking for a new friend. A man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen wants eleven dollar bill. All right, Kelly, so we spent the last week, because we were here last week, spent the whole week listening to Subterranean Homesick Blues. As you know, and we'll get into it at the end of the episode, this is our music video month, so we'll tie you in after that. Obviously, if you've listened to Subterranean and know a little bit about Bob Dylan, you understand fully the reasons why we picked this to be our first song for music video month. But Kelly, just you have never heard the song in your life. No. And you've never seen the video. No. And I have a huge bone to pick with the spelling of the word subterranean. Is that just how you spell it? That's how you spell it. Why is there not an I in it? Because terrain, right? The terrain, You're yeah. getting sub beneath the terrain. The terrain, yeah. Where's the I? This is English, my friend. Where is the I in subterranean? It got lost underground. It's above ground. Lost. Lost. No shit. <laughs> the I is above ground. The rest of it sunk underneath. Anyway, yeah, no, I don't know anything about the song. You knew nothing about the song. Except How did apparently you? Apparently, it was in the movie that we watched. Yeah, definitely in the movie, and uh, that's uh, No Direction Home, the Scorsese movie, which you can go back the very first supplemental series that we did, probably over a year ago at this point. Uh, but this song, just in general, we listened to a couple versions off of the Cutting Edge, the Bootleg Series Volume Twelve, and there's also one on the Bootleg Series Volume One through Five, um, which is also on the Cutting Edge. But we also listened to the original version. How did you feel about this song? I did not super love it initially. Why? I guess I'm curious about that because I feel like this is one that's definitely a classic song. And I feel like it's kind of classic too. I think the whole he invented rap and all that kind of stuff is really stupid. But like it's a very modern kind of sounding song at least. It's very fast. 
Well, the first note I have is like, this is another Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem song for me. So it's like jammy. And, you know, we haven't listened to Bob Dylan since last week. And it took me a minute to get back into the group. It's been a long, long week. very long week. It's felt like eight, but it hasn't, <laughs> definitely hasn't been eight. <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, I think I just wasn't ready for it. You know, if you're not in the right headspace to receive something, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. So, um, well, you said the playlist of ours, which you can check out at Spotify. You can search it by See That Our Playlist Is Kept Clean. Or you can also go to our website, SOTWpod.com. Um, and check out this episode in particular, and you'll see our playlist there. Um, and I, you said that the playlist helped you. For sure. Like when, I mean, I don't think the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1987 cover oh, of this did. helped. Maybe it did. But you said the <laughs> Lumineers version was good. And there's a yeah. lot of, there's a couple of, they all kind of follow the same formula. So I tried to pick, the Lumineers version was the newest one. And then obviously the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think is one of the most wild ones. I think it was just king into it. Usually the first time I put on the playlist, uh, I'm not ready. Yeah. And I just did letting the music wash over me. And so it just didn't really get its teeth in. And then. After listening to it multiple, multiple times. Yeah. It's, uh, when I started listening to the words. Yeah. Just appreciating how dense the lyrics are. Yeah. Um, for an example, I make a little lyric book every week, and there's usually about three to four pages of uh, double-spaced lyrics. This was all single-spaced, and it's four pages, and yeah. it's just like... It's a lot of words. A lot of words. Yeah. A lot of words for a two-minute song. Like, we've gotten less lyrics in five times the song. Yes, we have. So, it was really, that was incredible. So, uh, you gotta appreciate that at least. Well, that's fair. We're definitely going to get into the, the song itself, and we're going to get into the versions that we listen to, because I'm sure we have our, our favorites. This song was recorded for the first time. We listened to the acoustic version, the, mm-hmm. the one that's on the Bootleg Series, Volume 1 through 3. Uh, that was recorded on January 13th, 1965. The next day, he recorded the other three versions that we heard. Uh, and the last take uh, is the one that's on bringing it all back home. Of those ones, because we listened to all of them, which one was your favorite between them? As I am want to do, I preferred the, still... the guitar and harmonica solo Bob one. Okay. But, I mean, it's it's a fun, jammy song. There's a lot going on. A lot, a lot going on. A lot of instruments. Um, and the take that ended up on the album, the um, little noodly high guitar that's just mm-hmm. going the whole time, is really tempered in one of the other versions that we listened to. So having that there was really cool. And also, um, I believe it's the, the organs really mm-hmm. faded out um, on one of the other takes. So this, I think this was the right take to pick if you're going yeah. to go with the electric version for the album. Um, but I Well, I think that other version that didn't have the noodley, um, which I would assume is Bruce Langhorn playing that part of the guitar, that one, he also flubbed a bunch of the lines. I, I found it interesting that he carried over some of the words into basically another verse or not another verse but another line so instead of having a nice even 16 lines or whatever he basically made it a 17 line song and it was interesting to see the band his timing was all over the place bob was not following the band and they were playing so consistently that i I mean like i guess if you're on a bunch of drugs or if you're not you don't really well i don't think any of that i think it was more i mean bob is bob i don't think that he's like fucking stone out of his mind but he was certainly trying to figure out the song and he wanted to get through the whole lyrics. And then so instead of dropping it, he kind of just kept going with it. Mm. But you can listen in that moment that the band went off into the, like, the chorus, if you oh, will. Yeah. But, and then Multiple he times. kept it. And the whole band kept it. They just kept with it. And I think it goes back to Tell Little Bill where it's like, man, you're playing with some high caliber musicians that can on the fly for a song that, unlike Tell Little Bill, I guarantee you they had zero heads up on what they were doing Mm. they're just basically trying to keep up with this kid who's like talking so fast and you have to like internalize this song really really fast it don't matter what you did walk on your tiptoes So Bob said in an interview, uh, quote, it just didn't sound right on guitar. I tried it on piano, harpsichord, harmonica, pipe organ, kazoo, but it fit in right with the band. Which is kind of interesting. And I think that version is definitely iconic. It's hard to like, it's hard to pass this off as an acoustic song. Because even the acoustic one, there, it, it kind of is mellower. It's just kind of a slower song, even yeah. though it's under three minutes, all of them, you know, but it still feels like the speed and the urgency is, is gone. But I found it interesting, even with four songs, to really kind of see what's going on. 
So Bob Dylan was asked in 1965, do you think there's a move afoot to turn you into a pop star? Bob Dylan said, they can't turn me into anything. I just write songs and that's it. Nobody can change me. And by the same token, they can't change my songs. Of course, I vary things once in a while, like with a different backing I had on Subterranean Homesick Blues, but that was entirely my own doing. Nobody talked me into it. It just so happened that I had a lot of swinging cats on that track. Real hit musicians. <laughs> Those hit musicians were obviously Bob Dylan. On guitar, we had, ha- we had Al uh, Gorgoni, Kenny Rankin, Bruce Langhorn. Of course, Bruce Langhorn. On bass, we had Joseph Macho Jr. And on drums, we had Bobby Gregg, who we're going to have all through Highway and all through Blonde on Blonde. So a lot of these guys are going to stick around. This is Bob Dylan's first top 40 song. It peaked at number 39. It was in the top 10 in Britain. Uh, it's it's Rolling Stone's 332nd greatest song of all time, and it's been played 120 times total. The first time on June 7th, 1988. So an old Wait, man, what? a 45 year old man, was like, "I'm gonna bust this shit out." <laughs> he literally recorded it, never played it again until 1988. Sounds very Bob Dylan. Sounds very Bob Dylan. And then he would stop playing it in September of 2002, hmm. and he has not picked it up since. So we may never. Get Bob Dylan doing Subterranean. It was a very, very uh, 50-year-old song for him. When he's like, I turned 50, boom, I'm back in the song. He felt a connection for some reason. Now he's like, I don't understand. (laughs) My 50s were a wild time. (laughs) Speaking of the 50s, this book is, uh, this book, I'm sorry. Uh, This song is, has a couple of things going for it, contextually. One of them is the Subterraneans, which is a book by Jack Kerouac. Okay. uh, 1958 novella. Where, just like any other Kerouac book, you need basically like a little index of who is playing who because it's basically his life story, but he just changes characters. Uh, he, he makes his real life people, Allen Ginsberg, uh, Gregory Corso, William Burroughs, Neil Cassidy, all of them, just changes their names. So they're just these weird characters that exist hmm. in his world. But a lot of Kerouac's books, too, are like you really have to be in it because he writes in a way that, like, if you stop reading or not pay attention for a while you're kind of like you're totally lost so this is a very interesting one too because it's not a well-received it's not up there like on the road is for jack kerouac but it was made into a 1960 movie in the book it is um kerouac talks about being with a black girl and her going off to san francisco and like sort of the beat movement there like a lot of kerouac books there's no plot really nothing happens it's just kind of like him musing on these places and trying to follow her and they get together in the end when they made the movie version of it in 1960 they changed her the girl from being a black girl from new york city to being a white french girl which i mean how perfect 1960 could you possibly get so and they all hated it they were all fucking alan ginsburg was like incensed Wherever you want to go, Julian. Turn blue, travel, go. I have a yen of a cold winter night. I'll let you know. You turn me down. Now walk away. All right, now you listen to me. You don't want love, baby. You want marriage. But I'd say you're out of your mind. One, you're a woman. And two, you don't have much of a mind to be out of. You're bigger than she is. No, he's not. Come with me. Talk to me. Don't touch me. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And something else that we're going to come into a lot. We've already kind of talked about Jack Kerouac. But during this time, he was certainly reading them because On the Road, there's a song on this album, uh, Bringing It All Back Home, called On the Road Again. The Subterraneans, obviously, um, Subterranean Homesick Blues. Visions of Gerard is another book that he wrote, which he has a song called Visions of Johanna. And then he has a book called Desolation Angels, which we've listened to Desolation Row. So there's a lot of Jack Kerouac piggybacking. The other thing that he did was he sort of... uh, did an updated version, if you will, of uh, Too Much Monkey Business by Chuck Berry. Now, it's not a one-to-one. You can't listen to the two and tell me there's a connection. But certainly the lyrical content where Chuck is singing about, you know, sort of the quotidianness of life and how he wants something more. But life keeps smacking him in the face and just being like, nope, 
you don't get to keep going. And I think the character in this song, Subterranean Homesick Blues, is dealing with the same thing just like a decade later. For me to be involved in. Sailor talking to me, trying to run me up a creek. Say, you can buy it, go on, try it. You can pay me next week. Ah, much more spending. Trying to get me hooked, want me to marry, get a home, settle down, write a book. Too much So I find that really interesting. So if you want to listen to Too Much Monkey Business, it's definitely on our playlist. If you want to read Subterraneans, it's at the library, my friends. Libraries are free places where you go to get books. It's true. This is brought to you by libraries. Alright, Kelly. So let's talk about the song itself. So you preferred the acoustic version to the electric but you said once you started listening to the words it started to come together for you what was it about the lyrics what was it about what's going on that struck you and i know you got a story to tell so i want to know what the fuck is going on in subterranean homesick blues mainly i hope we're searching for the eye in subterranean well, I mean, that is my own personal question. And I'm fair. not going to levy that onto this. That's, that's fair. I mean, there might be an expanded universe we don't know about. Yeah. Be prepared to be underwhelmed because I don't actually have a very good story for you, but I do have a story. I just want to say the acoustic version only edges it out because that's my predilection. Yeah, that's true. Not because it's necessarily better. Yeah. And I will say the studio, uh, the, the album, sorry, not the studio version, the album version uh, of this song, the bass they have a distortion on it that they don't mm. have in any other any of the other takes, and it really is really fun. does it. like it adds a, a cool element to it. Yeah, so I appreciate that. That's fair. Anyway, as far as the lyrics go, yes, yeah, I mean, I the narrator, well, not the narrator, the narrator's speaking in the third person. They're talking about another person. So this character is a heroin dealer in I assumed '60s New York, just because oh, yeah. I kind of conjured that. Um, it couldn't be future. I guess it could be, you can write songs about the future. Good. But I'm assuming contemporary to when this song came out. New York, he's a heroin dealer. Um, obviously the Johnny is the the guy who makes the stuff. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it. He gets, he's sitting on the corner or stayed in the corner dealing and, Mm -hmm. uh, the cops come after him. He's got to run. And then Maggie, it's like, Hey. The like fucking house the They're tapping the, the phone, man. Like, whatever it means for the plants to be in bed. And then, it's all metaphor. It's all metaphor for this drug little ring is getting taken down. Bob Dylan, the character in this is, they get caught. They go to jail. They break out of jail. Mm-hmm. They flee New York. I'm assuming states away, if you have any kind of brain. Okay. Really, you'd leave the country because it says they, they jump bail. You got to get the fuck out, yeah, buddy. You got to leave. Yeah. But wherever he ends up, whether it's in America or somewhere else, they try to, to start a new life. They want to be completely different, but they they just keep bringing me back in or whatever the Scarface quest that I just yeah. assassinated. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't even Scarface, it's Godfather. What's happening to me? Yeah, this is, I mean, when you do a podcast every single week for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. It wears on you. <laughs> it wears on you, it's tiring. So, yeah, it's all just metaphor about leaving a life that was really destructive that you got in trouble for, and then trying to stay on the straight and narrow with temptation everywhere around you. Fair enough. That's, that's it. I'm not okay, so yeah, no, I mean, we never really see or meet anyone after that. So yeah. it's almost like they jump bail, and then it's almost a long meditation on what, it's, what it is to live a different life. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. When you first heard the song, were you were you expecting to be riddled with a bunch of words like that? You mean just like the density of the lyrics? Yeah, like, just like it comes at you. I mean, I can kind of remember the first time I ever heard this song. It was very different than the Bob Dylan that I had listened to. Mm. And it's just a weird It's a weird thing. We've obviously gone through a lot more songs than I did when I first heard this song. But this was a weird little lightning bolt for me. There's a moment, too. Um, we were talking about The Clash earlier, where there's a couple songs in that that were also like weird lightning bolts that kind of are so iconic at this point but just you kind of remember the first time you ever hear it and i know we're in a weird heightened situation doing this podcast but do you have any insight on the very first time you heard it like before you were even it's tough because i think this falls victim to a thing that happens with music that's older than we are and i can't go back Mm. 
like this doesn't sound new or exciting not to be like put too blunt of a point on it because yeah. that's like a really weird dumb thing to say but uh this isn't different true this isn't new because i have heard this all music up until right this moment yeah um to but to just put your mind then yeah i'm sure it is different. that's why i was yeah. curious when you said the thing about this being considered the first rap song well, i mean some people want to push it i mean you could even say the clash did one of the first rap songs um i i think it's just where people want to it's how deep you want to go. It's believing that there's only, if it's not published, uh, published if it's not recorded music or uh, people who are selling at a high quality, you know, like if, you're, if your record is not in fucking Tower Records or whatever, then it doesn't actually count. And if that's the case, then yeah, you know, you could say that Bob Dylan's the first rap artist or whatever, something dumb like that, but that's not true. So weird and bad. Yeah, no, it's dumb. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. I think what they lose when you say stupid shit like that is that it's just a different way to tell the same types of stories because even this type of thing with johnny mixing up the medicine it's very much about drugs it's very much about and it's there's really not a judgment on it if the judgment's anything we're sort of laying out the lines between the squares and the people and the counterculture and he's singing this song in my opinion at least um on both sides but basically he is on the side of the counterculture obviously bob dylan is but then the other side, the lookout kid part, the second half of it is always the straight and narrow square society telling you what you should do to keep your nose clean, you yeah. know, and, and lead the kind of life that we're telling you to lead. So that's the way that I see it. Um, when I was looking online, th- this is a this is a classic song, just like uh, like Rolling Stone and all of those, where you're just going to get a lot of hippies, a lot of people who were there in the 1960s just piling on this song and talking about it in like religious terms. So you almost have to mute that kind of conversation because this is a song just like a couple that we've done so far where every line like refers to one specific moment and specific incident in New York city history that happened only on this thing. And like Bob's obliquely referencing it for different ways from Sunday to get there. But it's definitely about that (laughs) Um, because they want it to be, they want this to be, um, something crazy. Bob said when he was asked about this song, he says that the words are rather squeezed together. You could call it an unconscious poem set to music. And I think that's kind of it. And that gets back to the Kerouac style of writing, which is sit down, take a bunch of Benzedrine and fucking write and just write and write and write and something will come of it. And I think his model is something I've, I mean, I've struggled to do that because I can't, I don't have Benzedrine. And I don't think I can write like that, but I respect that, that, that sense of letting your mind go. And, and this is absolutely that. This is, and this is 1965. This is right in that time. When you think of people doing stuff like that, you think of the 1960s, you know? And so I think it all, it all just completely fits. So for me, yeah, it's totally about the 50s, the people from the 1950s, you know, before the war, right after the war, who are prescribing a different life to you, which sounds familiar in this country where we want to make America great again and go back to the same racial relations, the same economic, the same everything that happened post-war, right after we fought a war against Nazis. We want to bring that back again. Bringing it all back home. Bringing it all back home. And so I think this song is is mocking them you know because johnny's in the basement doing all this stuff and the cops are always coming at after you and they're coming after you for no reason you know he's saying you don't know what you did but then you've got um you got shit happening now did you notice i mean maybe you you didn't look too deep into it but some of the lyrics are wrong so did you get the the, oh yeah yeah on the the bobdylan.com one yeah um i caught only a few like big pen isn't it pig pen yeah, Big Pen and Pig Pen. He says it uh, twice over differently. And then, like, the very first line, Johnny's in the basement mixing with the medicine. I'm on the pavement thinking about the government. And then one is looking looking about the government. That mm. was on the acoustic version. Yeah, there's but there's a couple of them. They're like, uh, the one line, uh, look out, kid. Walk on your tiptoes. Don't try no-dose. Um, he doesn't. No-dose. He says no-dose on the placard. Right. But it's actually don't tie no-bows. Don't tie no bows. Yeah. So it's one of those. Well, above the like comment says no does. No does. The, the brand. Yeah, the brand. Which is weird. I don't know why you make that jump. As we've said before, BobDylan.com is a questionable website at best. <laughs> if you want Bob Dylan information, SOTWpod.com is the only 
literally the only place to go for it because yeah i I never thought no dose ever and no dose is a brand it's not no dose which he does right on the thing but i also see if we're going into the idea that this is the 50s or a conservative generation saying this then when you're saying don't walk you know walk on your tiptoes be quiet don't try no dose don't try drugs better stay away from those that carry around a fire hose now that line has always stood out to me as basically don't join the civil rights movement the uh, fire hoses yeah. and birmingham happened in 1963 so this is well on his mind and birmingham was the first instance where they took the fire hoses i'm reading a book right now called the race beat the press civil rights struggle and the awakening of a nation and they said that those those fire hoses were hooked up to monitor guns that forced the power of two hoses through a single nozzle oh my god which produced a weapon that could skin bark from a tree at 100 feet and I read uh, elsewhere that it could also, if you were to put it on the ground, it could break bricks from a building. What the fuck? And they were spraying it at children. Children that were being pushed down the street. Uh, yeah, it's incredibly fucked up. And even just looking at the photos, like type in Birmingham 1963, it's chilling. I think it's still fucking chilling. But so so I, when I hear that, you know, don't stay away from those that carry around the fire hose. Like you could say... Stay away from the people that are spraying the hose. But I see it as like, don't even get close to the, right. don't Stay get close. It, Stay out of it. Yeah. Keep a clean nose. Watch the plane close, which could also be like the cops. Watch the plane close. Well, I always um, that, yeah, that was like an undercover detective situation. Yeah. Right. Right. But then that kind of goes against, oh, well, maybe not. Watch the plane close. Like yeah. watch those people. Well, I mean, I, I through this whole thing was a, a yeah. drug dealer. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And even this keeps going. Yeah. And then of course, one of his most iconic lines, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. And that line is definitely one of his most enduring lyrics. Um, the Weatherman Underground was an offshoot of the SDS, the Students for a Democratic Society, and they bombed the Capitol. They bombed. Was it a group like a? Yeah, it was just a student group. That, oh. Uh, it was a, it was an offshoot of of the anti-war uh, effort, and so after the war in the nineteen seventies, uh, the New Left and all of that were in decline and and slowly went away. But their first policy paper was titled. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. So even Bob Dylan in 1965 is sort of like, once again, it doesn't need to be blowing in the wind, which is like those early civil rights. But this is speaking to like the violence that's about to erupt in America at this time. So I've, that line just will never go away. And it's, it's a really incredible line. But I like the get sick, get well, hang around an inkwell. I see that as like writing. Try hard, get barred, get back, ride rail. Yeah, so right there. Try hard, get barred, get back, right braille. Yeah, what? No, it's ride rail, just like riding the rails. Okay. Bob Dylan loves himself a train. White people love trains. He getting on a train. <laughs> but I, that's one of my favorite. Just try hard, get bar, get back, ride rail. I couldn't get hear jail, it. Jump, the braille thing. I was like, what the fuck? No, so. that's. And then also join the army if you fail. Like what a dark like undertone. Like oh, if you don't make it, join the army. You know where it's going. You're gonna go die. You heard me sing, um, with God on our side. You know, episode fifty three. Sure. 50 something you know it's been a it's you a can't win. prove it's not that's true prove it <laughs> tweet us tell us we're wrong yeah and then uh don't follow leaders watch your parking meters like that's another iconic dylan uh dylan line 20 years of school and then they put you on the day shift i find that one to be the the one that kind of hits the most home um you know the short pants romance get dressed get blessed try to be a success Please sir, please him, buy gifts, don't steal, don't lift, 20 years of school, and then they put you on the day shift. That kind of speaks to our lives today, even. It's just get in a relationship, woo them, have a kid, go to school. Even though it's not going to work out, you wasted all your time, and you're going to be on the day shift anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a pretty dark, dark line. Uh, and then at the very end, you know, you you kind of get the end. Another iconic line, the pump don't work because the vandals took the handle. Is that his? Is that an original line? I, I don't know how original but it's i don't i've never heard it elsewhere okay the reason i asked yeah i have from my past life a weird because bob dylan is everywhere did i know no i did not no but i kind of am learning now um so when we were working at direct tv i was part of a extra special technical support group and there was there probably still is a forum specifically dedicated to people with satellite service and they were very very into it they're just customers some of them used to be technicians but like they're just super duper into the idea of satellite tv anyway one of the like head honcho top moderator up on all the boards knows all the answers guys in his little like sign off tag he says the van because the vandals took the handles nice i was like what a weird fucking thing i wonder what that is 
I'm literally on the internet. I could have looked at any time. But then when I heard it, I was like, oh, hey, that's that dude from the, Whoa. <laughs> the direct TV <laughs> But if you looked it up before, you would have been like, Bob Dylan, what's, I mean, not yeah. what is that, but just like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't have stuck. Yeah. Other than for this moment again. Like, right. it wouldn't have made any difference. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of uh, open-endedness as to what that means. Well, isn't there a line in American Pie that's similar to that? American Pie, the 1998 movie. No, the song. Oh, oh, the Tom McLean song. <laughs> yeah. I think I think this pre. I think this is the before American Pie. Okay. If there's any connection, it would have to be the other way around, as far as I remember. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I like. I couldn't even be making that up completely, but like that's the only thing that sounds almost vaguely familiar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and doubt it. I, I think it's. You think I mean, it's a well, and original? mainly because it stuck with him. You know, I mean that's. If you were to say that, I mean, I guess he does eclipse other people's work um, and takes it on as his own, even when, when he doesn't even mean to. So maybe, I mean, I'll give it a, a hard maybe. But for me, I've always loved that. I love the ending of it. I think it's also really a vague ending. It's kind of one of those, like, bittersweet, like, oh, you didn't really get the, like, juice. The, the, I think the rest of it is way more juicy uh, to sink your teeth into. But, like, the pumped up work is the vandal took the handle. I saw online... Someone talking about like what it could mean, and they were talking about how it implies instead of taking it for one person, you're almost taking something away from the entire community. Mm. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and if we think the last part, the lookout kid person, is the 50s prescriptive person, then it even takes on a different weight today where it's like, you know, we want to come to, to have this American dream, if you will, the pump, but the Koch brothers and just America in general ran off with the fucking handle. So we got to get that fucking handle back before we can all, you know, live a normal life. I mean, what we would expect, um, you know, the American dream. Get born, keep warm, short pants, romance, learn to dance, get dressed, get blessed, try to be success, please her, please him, buy gifts, don't steal, don't live 20 years of school and then they put you on a day shift. Look out, kid. They keep it all here. Better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle, don't wait. I, I don't know. This song is this song is crazy and there's a deep legacy to this song and we're gonna talk a little bit about that with the music video and everything like that. But did any of that help at all? Like I mean, you were on the right path, definitely like the sixties and this I think is speaking to the society itself at large. Yeah, I mean that's that's an obvious yeah thing that it's like People want you to be this way, and that's if you want to be a success, you gotta be this way, friend. Yeah, but I just took it as they were, they, they are making that transition. Yeah, and I think conformity too, especially going through the '90s where every band had a conformity song. That certainly helped conformity <laughs> kind of get buried a little bit. But I also think conformity, just with punk rock, sort of took an enormous hit. Whereas this is another aspect you have to kind of put yourself back into the time period too, where it's like. Things are going weird around you, and it might not be super weird where you are, but maybe some of the words I'm saying here are like are kind of resonating with you, and yeah. you might feel that way inside too. Well, maybe you should lean into it a little. I think it's interesting that you looked online. You're like, it's hard. These you know, like people that were there at the time, kind of waxing poetic mm-hmm. and just really going nuts and di- dissecting everything to everything. ends that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But because I am here alive now. Maybe that can help really give the context of the situation a little bit before you yeah. get into like the fanaticism of. <laughs> well, I, mean, I didn't hear anything about Jesus, so I well, gotta that's say, a difference. huge plus. Yeah, there's no Jesus character in here unless Johnny. Who knows? Maybe. So yeah, it's hard for me to get there. Yeah, but it's still cool. Like, I wish I weren't so jaded about everything because I have all, I have everything, every song at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to feel like this is novel because. Yeah. It isn't, but it's still it's so cool. It's a yeah. lot of words real fast. It's a lot of words real fast. And and I think if if you're ever to you know, once this whole project is over and you go back through and sit and go and listen straight on through, this is a very Stand out. crazy weird pivotal yeah. moment. Yeah. And Maggie's farm, you know, the first song he played like electric or whatever during his electric set. I came out to Maggie's Farm, and Maggie's Farm is song three on this. So he opens with this. He opens with that acoustic going into the electric before going acoustic, then electric, acoustic, electric. And so Maggie's Farm didn't even get front bill, even though that was his first moment of like, I'm electric, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, that this song had such a, 
I don't know. It just had it had a. Pl- I think it had a very specific place for Bob, and I think it was like just getting it out was what it was all about. Is the Maggie in the song from Maggie? Maggie's, Maggie's Farm, Farm, right? Or is it from episode 19's Little Maggie? Who knows? Who knows? Who who can say? That one I actually did look up. Episode 19, Little Maggie. Very first mixed-up confusion, which we will talk about in a little bit. So before we leave today, Kelly, uh, the legacy of the song I think is kind of interesting. Paul Williams wrote, quote, If Dylan, like Shakespeare, is to be somebody remembered for having created combinations of language that, quote, age cannot wither, subterranean homesick blues will be a shining example thereof. John Lennon was reported to hear this song and think that he would not be able to write anything to ever compete with it. We're going to hear that a lot from John. Who really? has a very, he's been very open about when Difference he heard Bob's songs, he just thought he was in the wrong business. And mm. I kind of love all of them until it got to like the 19, the late 70s and like the 80s when then he was just like, Bob Dylan's a fucking hack. He's uh. terrible right before he died. So who knows what could have happened? I mean, they could have had a very fun competing type of relationship later on, but unfortunately that was not to be. And I think a lot of people see this as like an encapsulation of the 60s. I think you could do that. I think it's more of an encapsulation than Blowing in the Wind, which I think is just more of a, it's more of a kumbaya. It's um, it's not really the, the reality of how tragic the 60s were, but also how fraught they were with violence and um, upheaval. Something I did not know about, but it's kind of interesting, especially with the line, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. There was a 2007 survey of judges and lawyers um, in legal opinions across the country in all ranges of disciplines. That line, he is the most quoted... Um, artist by far in legal opinions interesting and you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows is far and away the most quoted line by an artist well in judges and like uh, lawyers briefs (laughs) and whatever you know when they file it yeah so i found that fucking fascinating when they're doing an argument they're like you don't need a weatherman (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of amazing uh (laughs) especially if it's like a weather related case because then it's like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) And then lots of bands, of course, um, and a lot of them, you know, some of them featured on our playlist, have mimicked the style uh, or titled it to an homage. Um, something like the, like R.E.M., The End of the World as we know it, is very much a, it's, it, it doesn't share the structure, but certainly that just two minute, like, we're just R.E.M., losing our religion is like <laughs> how we play music, and then yep. all of a sudden we're here. And I think any time a band has that moment... I think you can compare it easily to Subterranean Homesick Blues because it kind of never came around again. I can't think of another R.E.M. song that's like blistering uh, the way that that is and, and also the longevity. And, it, and it's not even it's not even them trying it and failing. It's they try and it's so good that they almost don't go back to it because mm. you let it – you just let it stand. It was also the basis of the second episode ever of Law & Order called Subterranean Homeboy Blues. Oh, no. There was also a little promo film that was made. That a lot of people think and call the very first music video ever. And the precursor, I think precursor is probably, the precursor to the modern music video is probably the best way that you can put it. And I think we should talk about that on Thursday, Kelly. Cool. Cool. So on Thursday, we are bringing you a special mixed up confusion where we are going to watch not only Subterranean Homesick Blues, some say is the first music video ever, but we're also going to watch Weird Al's version. And it's been parodied and homaged so many times that we're going to get into a lot of the versions. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say, our playlist is really good this week for the sequencing, if, if nothing else. Oh. I feel like this playlist has really stood out that the songs really uh, blend well together and lead into each other, which is interesting because they're completely different artists doing completely different songs. And yet Whoa. sometimes it picks up. Right where, like, the Foo Fighters song leads right into the other one. Mm-hmm. It, you wouldn't even know. The Lars Fredrickson That's the Bastard song. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think all of them are yeah, really true. good. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we killed it this week, especially. And that's, that comes from constantly making playlists weekly and bi-weekly and never, never taking a moment break. Because <laughs> if I took a break, I think I would lose it. Yeah. Okay. So this one in particular, you can find on Spotify. See that my playlist is kept clean. You can also find it at our website, SOTWPod. We're on Twitter, at SOTWPod. We're on Instagram, at SOTWPod. Most importantly. Our Blockhouse is not on Twitter yet, but maybe soon. It, no, it won't. At Blockhouse? What? Maybe no. it's taken what? or not. That, I don't that know. definitely is, I'm sure. If there's an at Blockhouse, I'm not saying it is ours, but I'm not saying it's not ours. Oh, God. And very importantly, we are on Patreon. If you want to name 
this place for an episode. We did offer that up last week. That if you were to uh, you were to become a patron, you can name this wonderful new studio. So if you still want to do that, feel free to give us a buck. And then tell us what you want us to call it. And we will call it that. We won't even comment on it. We'll just roll right through and we'll thank you right afterwards. Unless you're an entrepreneur, then we'll say, sponsored by Crazy Al's Face Emporium. That's right. You need a new face. Come to Crazy Al. Come to Crazy Al. Always Crazy Al. It's cornered on the crazy faces. Okay. So, Kelly, we were also people in the world for the last week. But... I'm kind of having a weird moment where I can't remember a lot. So in the last two and a half months, how has... Just as a general just, arbitrary figure. You know, very specifically to, to late April. What, how has your life been since then? We have, we have, we have definitely went into summer, but uh, we kind of uh, alluded to it a little bit. You got a new dog. But in terms of like uh, your life and in terms of what's going on, what, what do you want to recommend for the people out there? Well, if one in theory was talking for the last two and a half months, you would think that one would have a lot to say. And yet one has almost nothing to say. Um, I don't know, man. I finished The Staircase, which was fine. Uh, Dear White That's People That's a Netflix season. show? I mean, it's, it was a documentary that documentary. I finished in 2004, but Netflix like brought it back and did three oh, follow-up episodes. Fine. So it is right. Um, Dear White People Season 2 was fine. Kimmy Schmidt was fine. Um, I haven't watched Kimmy Schmidt yet. I'm just going to wait for the, fi- the whole final. Yeah. Ocean's Eight was really good. Oh, yeah. That's so, right. that's that lady heist movie. Mm-hmm. This is real good. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm mostly for music, I listen to a playlist that I've been making for, like, three years, just passively, where every time I listen to an ambient, like, piece of music that I like, any kind of electro, trip-hop, anything, I just throw it onto this playlist, like, I'll deal with that later. Okay. So, it turned into 40 hours worth of music, and I got that down to 18. Pretty proud of myself. But beyond that, inspired by our playlist this week, mm. I discovered a very rarely known artist, David Bowie. Oh, yes. <laughs> very rarely known. Yeah, very little known. Yeah. Not well known anymore. People don't, people, nobody was sad when he no. passed. No. So, obviously, David Bowie is a huge influence figure, not only in the music scene, but in pop culture, mm. queer culture, fashion, just like, um, big, big deal. And because of that, it, it's one of those people that you're intimidated kind of by going to the catalog and it's just, it feels so far away. Kind of like with this song when I was explaining, it was like, I don't have the reference for that. It's like, yeah. that's cool, David Bowie, but I live in 2018 and we already have all that stuff because yeah. you already did it. Like, that's the thing that my brain can't, like, yeah, because he did it. Like, yeah. <laughs> all of these things that happened, you could have been watching Weird Al or been a huge fan and like mm-hmm. you would have seen that and never known. Yeah, absolutely. And then it fills in and you're just like, Whoa. Yeah, for you sure. You loved that back then, and you love music like this, but only because they loved this, and yeah. the person loved that before. That's the link, you know, that we've been talking about since episode six. The link, the chain of time that goes back. And it gets lost, and we've had songs where it's been lost, 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 lost. Oh, my God. And, but this is one that I think is pretty easy to get because there's not really a, you know anything behind it you know it's just kind of from one person's head and it's sort of carried forward so that's kind of cool i've tried multiple times to listen to david bowie's discography just because i feel like i respect what he did for lots of things obviously he's a problematic figure too because abuse and stuff and like there are no good people in the world (laughs) just ever but uh i like, like prince like a lot of big band like big people or big artists big bands uh it can become overwhelming. It's, it's like a big task undertaking. So I've, tr- I've tried to listen to discography multiple times from like earliest to most recent. And I always stop at Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars because like that was the pinnacle. That was like the best album of 1973, I think, whatever it came out, um, according to Rate Your Music. So the song on our playlist is Subterraneans because Subterranean uh, was so different, so spacey, so few vocals, not really a rock song at all. Just like this, you know I'm all about atmospheric electronic music. David Bowie was getting it done in 1977. So I just like, again, very naively was like, oh my God, how did he have this cool synth in 1977? How did he get that? Yeah, right? That's because like synth music's been around forever. The Moog was like in the early 70s. Like everybody's been doing this forever. Anyway, this album is so fucking cool. The first four tracks uh, are like 
rocky, alternative rocky with all that synth stuff in it. But like, there's like a disco track on there, and it's just weird, spacey shit. And I know David Bowie is like the weird spacey guy, but no, this is like an experimental album where someone with a lot of talent and a lot of curiosity was like, what if we did this? What if we really tried to make this synthetic sound pair with a saxophone or pair with strings and and blend it in a way that, and who cares if it's six minutes long or it's 30 seconds long? Who cares if I sing or if I don't? Like, I don't know. It was so cool for somebody to just try and just let it go. And it's only like 38 minutes and it's... It's really fucking cool. So I listened to Low like a million times this week. Yeah. David Bowie. David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, that's a good recommendation. And it's not just David Bowie, but Low. Yeah, Start Low with Low. specifically. Just listen to Low. And if you like Low, then work your way backwards, maybe. David Bowie and Prince and um, and Bob Dylan for the rest of our lifetimes for mm-hmm. sure, if not our kids' lifetimes as well. So, and I don't think that their their impact is going to go away because people are going to constantly be like, "Where did this come from?" Yeah, and they're going to find a David Bowie and just be like, "Fuck, <laughs> this is where it fucking came from." I yeah. can't find anything. All right, Kelly, I'm going to recommend a couple of records, but I'm going to do it really fast, as if I had two and a half months where I wasn't able to express myself. <laughs> it's not the case though, but I'm just going to go through it. So I'm just going to kind of go That's through it pretty exercise. quick. Yeah, yeah. Pretty quick. Alkaline Trio released eight albums, live versions of every one of their albums. It's been very influential on what's going to happen on this podcast. Hot Snakes, Jericho Sirens, Warm Thoughts, the drummer from Touche Amore released like a pop punk record and it's fucking great and kind of sad. Elway, for the sake of the bit, came out the Carters Everything is love. Saw that apeshit video. Had to had to get in on that. Snail Mail, Lush, Beautiful. Dr. Dog came out with a new album. Critical Equation. Maps Analysis, back for the first time since 2011. I listened to Maps Analysis right when I moved to Denver for the first time. Arctic Monkeys, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Definitely a grower. Hated the shit out of that record when I first heard it. <laughs> it's a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, Orkville River, In the Rainbow Rain. Ice Age, one of the best bands on the planet. Beyondless. Nico Case from our previous, one of our previous playlists, Hell On, finally came out, which I did talk about before. It is now out, and it's really great. Courtney Barnett came out with a new album. Frank Turner came out with a new album. Charlie Crockett, who I mentioned before, is still great. Zeal and Ardor, if you remember, came out with a new, new album called Stranger Fruit, and it's really fucking good. I did not expect that. Gaslight Anthem released the 59 Sound Sessions, so songs when they were just in the demo phase, and it is brilliant. So if you love the 59 Sound or have never heard that by Gaslight, go listen to that and then listen to the sessions. And the best album that I've heard probably of all year so far is a band called The Sidekicks, and the album is called Happiness Hours. The Sidekicks, man, they just come out of nowhere, and they're like, this is how you make music, and this is great rock music great pop music one of the best sound one of the best vocalists wholeheartedly better than you. Post you've already said best album of the year so many times no. but I mean the year is continuing Jeff Rosenstock is, is up there and Jeff Rosenstock is one of the biggest sidekicks fans there is so him and I agree on this because <laughs> you're best friends we're best friends until Antarctica Vespucci comes out which it is coming out this year Sidekicks is my current front runner for best album of the year because it's so good it's so good so go listen to that everybody um, I've also done a lot of books, and uh, Drake released a video that had the Degrassi cast. So a no lot shit, really? Called I'm Upset, yeah. And it's fucking great. <laughs> so if you watch Degrassi, go find that Drake video. Looking at you on a glossy screen As one could guess to see the hazy reflective me Like a vision of angels are sent on Christmas Eve Incense halo and us on a screen St. Stephen was stone when he went Kelly, that's pretty much it. So if you're if you're good, 
let's go ahead and pick next week's episode. Oh, this is a ruse. How dare you? <laughs> I remember a time years, where... years ago when we did, in fact, pick songs randomly. It will somewhere. legitimately be. It'll legitimately be like five months since the last time we've live picked a song. I promise you, everyone out there, it will happen. I have to check how many songs we got left, Kelly. We have 478 songs. That seems wrong. Kelly, one out of 478, what you got? 36. 36. 36, Kelly. Hey, was the song that we just mentioned last week called George Jackson, kind of a bummer non-single, one of the only like just true Bob Dylan out of nowhere writes a song and has no place anywhere on an album and has nothing to do with anything. He's not really a big go to the studio and make a single type of artist. So like we listened to watching the river flow. That was one of those. Another one of them is George Jackson. So we will not be listening to George Jackson next week because we already know what we're listening. It was a ruse all along. Gotcha. Next week we are going to 1983. We are going to Infidels, which we have been to once before. Hey, you like that one, don't you? I love Infidels. I did not love our song from before. But I do love, and who doesn't love, another Bob Dylan classic, Honest to God classic, Joker Man. And what you could consider to be his, truly his first music video. So we are going from what is perceived to be not only his first, but the first of all time, to what is legitimately his first music video on MTV. And it's a fucking wild video. So we will talk more on Thursday about Subterranean Homesick Blues. We're just going to do a nice short episode about it, so not going to be very long. Uh, Then we'll be back on Monday to do Joker Man. And then on Thursday, we're going to talk Joker Man's video. And we're going to do that for the next five weeks. But we are coming to you every week now. Kelly, are you ready? Back in the groove. Back in the groove. Doing it. How's it feel? How's the blockhouse? So far, so good. I don't know. Why don't you tell us, Adoring Public? Yeah. How is the (laughs) blockhouse? Let us know. What if it turns out that beyond the blockhouse, we're just still in the bunker? Ooh. This is just that an episode of Black Mirror and we're actually still there. And it's just they're piping in sounds at the outside. But there's actually no outside. That sounds right. That sounds right. Maybe we've only begun, been gone about two minutes, but it feels like it's been two and a half months. Ooh, just like Black Mirror. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because everything's a Black Mirror episode. And if you've never seen Black Mirror, me and Kelly both recommend Black Mirror. Good night. <laughs> Hold it. Let's keep that intro right. Three. What is the intro? Got me. Okay. No, uh, we'll, th- we'll think just a second. Why don't you intro just be... Or else, no, no, oh, I'll just play the guitar. I'll just play, okay. That's right, you just play the guitar.